Most entrepreneurs struggle to generate more customers and online leads. Lack of quality online leads means lack of revenue, and that's bad for your business. Here at Investing in the US Podcast, we have partnered up with Ardor SEO, who have developed a system to help maximize your business and online exposure. Your experience as a business owner can radically change for the better with the right SEO team. And with Ardor's system, you wouldn't believe how simple it can be. So find out more by heading over to ardorseo.com. That's A-R-D-O-R-S-E-O.com. Now back into the show. You're a seller and you have a free and clear house and um, you're looking to own or finance it to someone so, or even sell it on like a contract for deed uh, where you're not giving up title, but the, the buyer is going to be getting the, the buyer benefits or the, the homeowner benefits. If you have a property, let's say it's a million dollars and you're willing to take, say, $200,000 down, uh, like 20% down, and then you're willing to finance it. Well, they don't have to go to a bank. Of course, now that person that maybe only qualified for like eight or 900,000, um, but you're able to structure a deal in which their payment stays relatively lower than a million dollar payment that a bank would give them, then people could stretch outside their means. Welcome to Investing in the US, a podcast for real estate investors, business owners, and aspiring entrepreneurs looking to break into the US market. Join Reid as he interviews go-getters, risk-takers, and the best in the business about their journey towards financial freedom and the sheer joy of creating something from nothing. G'day, g'day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the US podcast from Los Angeles. I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. Now, I'm glad that you've all tuned in to learn from my incredible guests, and each and every one of them are the cream of the crop here in the United States when it comes to real estate investing, business investing, and entrepreneurship. Each show, I try and tease out their incredible stories of how they have successfully created their businesses here in the US, how they've created financial freedom massive amounts of cash flow and ultimately create extraordinary lives for themselves and their families. Life by design, as I like to say. Hopefully, these guests will inspire all of my cracking listeners, which are you guys, to get off the couch and go and take massive amounts of action. If these guys can do it, so can you. Now, as you know, I'm all about sharing the knowledge with my loyal listeners, which is you guys, and there's absolutely no BS on this show, just straight into the nuts and bolts. Now, if you do like this show, the easiest way to give back is to give us a review on iTunes, and you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter by searching at Reed Goosens. You can find the show wherever you podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play, but you can also find these episodes up on my YouTube channel. So head over to reedgoosens.com, click on the video link, and it will take you to the video recordings of these podcasts where you can see my ugly mug, but the beautiful faces of my guests each and every week. All right, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today on the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Zachary Beach. Zachary only started in real estate a few years ago, and in that time, he's completed over 100 deals. He's also the best-selling author of the new book called The New Rules of Real Estate Investing, 24 Lending Experts Reveal Their Real Estate Secrets. To top it all off, Zachary prides himself on helping and coaching other wannabe real estate investors to replicate the same successes he has had out of the gate. I'm really pumped and excited to have him on the show today to share his incredible insight and knowledge with us. But enough out of me. Let's get him out here. 
G'day, Zachary. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Hey, Reed. Thanks for having me on. I, I, I thought that I spoke rather quickly, but you... Uh, you're up here. You're up there. You can hang out with us in New England. I promise you that. But thanks for having me on. I'm super pumped to be here. I will slow it down for the internet. <laughs> hey, you're over on the West Coast, right? I mean, you probably get a, You probably do have to slow it down slightly. Yeah, there's a there's a few. I remember moving to England many many years ago, and people couldn't understand what I was saying because of my thick Australian accent. I've had to learn to pronunciate my 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 R's and my A's and water water. Or, you know, so. <laughs> but mate, look, enough out of me. Let's get uh, let's get into you your story. Um, the first question I ask all my guests when they jump on the show is, rewind the clock and tell me how you made your first ever dollar as a kid. Yeah, my first ever doll as a kid, I actually lived near a golf course um, when I was growing up. Only until I was about like in fourth grade. And what I used to do is I used to walk through the tall grass and pick up balls. And I used to sell uh, golf balls at the tee. I think it was like the ninth tee uh, for uh, four balls for a dollar. Um, I actually sometimes if I needed extra cash, I would just say I'd do for five for a dollar. But boy, was I sell myself short. Now I go golfing to buy a, a, a uh, a case of three golf balls it's like 10 bucks so these uh these golfers are making out but yeah that was my first little first little venture uh when i was a young kid and so tell me did you have a lot of um you know with your parents or influences on how to make money and and, and showed you you know the lesson of, of learning how to make a dollar when you're growing up i wish i could tell you yes uh in all honesty i got a i was at the time um i was just living with my mom um and my mom is, I mean, phenomenal woman, but she worked with one company for a long period of time. And then eventually uh, that company dissolved and she became a, a cashier and she's been a cashier for forever. Uh, so I can't tell you that my entrepreneurial spirits came from her. Uh, uh, my dad really wasn't around. So I, I can't say that he gave me much influence there as that. well. Uh, it's life, right? I, I wouldn't be who I am today if these things didn't happen. Uh, I don't know. I just always had this um, inner um, you know, drive to, to want to be more, um, mm. or just, I, I didn't come for money. So I feel like I always was like looking at like, how can I become more successful? How can I get more money? Right. Um, so that was just that internal drive. But I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm honestly not sure where I picked up like, Hey, I should go pick up golf balls and sell them, but the golf balls were available and I lived on the golf course. So I thought it was, uh, it was worth it. No, I think it's it's interesting having that bit of a discussion in and around how you you're brought up and raised with money, and it sounds like you you did value a dollar and not not coming from a lot. A lot of people learn how to hustle and learn how to grind and figure out ways and of of making ends meet, and, and it really lays a, found, a solid foundation, in my opinion, after interviewing over two hundred you know different CEOs and entrepreneurs on the show, that it is a in an awesome way starting with nothing, literally starting with nothing, and and having not not coming from means forces you to be a better entrepreneur, better business leader. So I think, uh, so kudos to you, man. For And we're going to get into, you know, we're going to dive now into your story. So walk me through the years leading up to what you have done today, because I know you're relatively young in the space of real estate, but you've done a lot and you've got a new book out. You've done a bunch of deals, but what was the time in your life where you realized I need to get involved in real estate investing? Yeah, when I was, uh, so I'll fast forward all the way to college. I won't bore you guys with what I did in <laughs> high school and talk about all the cool high school memories. Uh, we got enough people in my old hometown, they're going to continue to do that. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, I was 21 coming out of college and I went to college for marketing and finance. And I had no, it's just cause I had no idea what I wanted to do, but you know, college was the way because 
uh, all my teachers in high school told me I wasn't gonna be able to go to college. So that was like my main goal at that point in time. So I went up to college. And then when I when I got out of college, I actually started bartending uh, down here in Newport Island, which is like a really very nice like tourist town that uh, you get people from all over the world that come here and they have the huge yachts and everything so it was really uh it was i, I saw it you know, you know as i the story started before i said i was always looking for new ways to get around wealthy people or to, to up level myself with success so newport i was like this is going to be the place i got to be so i went and i started uh bartending uh, at a local bar and i bartended there for about four years and at one point in time i just realized that i was like completely burnt out. I was bartending uh, all night long and then I'd wake up and I actually personal trained in the morning because, uh, you know, why not wake up at four in the morning after you stay up till three? <laughs> um, and then, so my father-in-law, uh, who you interviewed probably, you said about six months ago and who's my business partner now, yeah, he's been in real estate for like 25 years and uh, they always say like, just find the, the, the most successful people around you and go pair up with them. So he was one mm -hmm. of the most successful people I knew, especially from the entrepreneurial world. So I said, Hey, it would make a lot of sense to start working with them. So I asked him and, uh, cause I really wanted to go to the bars and I said, Hey, I don't know real estate, but it's going to be better than what I'm doing right now. So if you would have me, I think it'd be cool if I could uh, start making calls. So what I did is I literally dove into real estate. My experience was like making outbound calls to expired listings for like hours upon hours a day. So this isn't like, this isn't fun work, uh, but it taught me a lot. And I did that for about two years, really. until uh, I got to a point where, or let's say for the first six months, it was literally all up on calls. But then eventually I got to a point for about two years, I just really worked on the seller side of the business, how to acquire the right leads, how to get uh, good appointments, how to get properties under contract. Uh, and then after about two years, and I started looking at the business as a whole, um, and how to how to create and grow it so that, that's my short story of where i come from it's been uh it'll be about five years now that i quit bartending so we turned 30 years old i started this business when i was 25 so it's uh it's been a fun journey 30 mate you're, only, you're younger than i am I'm, i thought i was young at 34 but uh you're you got it. You got a you got a baby face going on over there. Must be the the lack of sun with uh, yeah, right. on the East Coast. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and one thing before before we keep going, um, America's Cup, right? That's up that neck neck of the woods, right? Oh yeah. And, uh, a lot of a lot of Aussies have. Uh, we, we won it once, I think, was an Australian team. You back in the eighties, and that was the biggest thing since uh, the best thing since sliced bread. But uh, I do remember. I know that part oh, yeah. of the world probably has a lot of Australians. Oh yeah, I uh, used to work out with a bunch of Australians, a bunch of Kiwis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and actually a good friend of mine that I was actually my workout partner for a long period of time, um, Rome, he was on the America's Cup team that came mm -hmm. back from down zero, uh, zero to seven, I guess. I think it was to, to the Aussies and he was on the um, which boat it was called, but they came back and they won. That was a huge thing. As that's America's yeah. Cup is yeah. what made Newport, Rhode Island. It came in the 70s and all of a sudden it <laughs> blew right. up to being like this Went from a navy town to a uh, now like a millionaire's twenty twenty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Well, mate, let's let's enough about the boating world. It was, we could probably talk about it for ages. But talk to me about what you you know. I think the the biggest thing is coming out of your story right now is the, the art of the grind, like learning how to just pick up, roll up the sleeves, and you're not afraid to get your hands dirty. So maybe talk a little bit about what you do and what, what is your business today? And maybe think of it like a Chinese menu, like what's the free stuff, the, entre the, the entrees, uh, the appetizers, and then all, all the way through to dessert. What, what do you guys do? 
Yeah, so let's just look at because we have we have two businesses, um, and that's what makes us very unique is we have our buying and selling entity that we still constantly do deals with, uh, and then we teach people how to do exactly that because you know if something comes up in our business, we know now to go teach it because it's you know it's it's happening while we're doing it. So um, from, a, from a real estate side. We, we focus only on terms deals, very specifically uh, lease options, owner financing, and subject to deals. Uh, all creative financing, which uh, is becoming relatively more norm now, I can tell you that, because now when I actually call people from like an expired listing or a for sale by owner, uh, people say, are you one of those people that are calling about a lease purchase or are you one of those rent to own people? And I say, yeah, I'm glad that you actually know about it because before I used to have to like explain it, you know, as like a a children's book. And now I can like get to a high level conversation about why I can buy your property better than the rest of the rental people. Um, so it's, it's been, uh, it's been fun. So that's specifically, and then we just take that entire business model and, and then we present it into uh, what we call our associates or our students around the country. And uh, that way they have D A to Z of being able to buy, uh, build and scale this business. And are you focused only in the Rhode Island area or are you nationwide? Yeah, great point. Uh, so for us specifically, Southern New England, uh, but we have students or associates that we call them, people that we hop in the trenches and help them complete deals, help them build their business. We're in 80, 90 plus markets now around the country. Um, so yeah, we're everywhere. And now I know we have students in Canada as well, which is a slightly different market, but yeah, throughout, throughout the United States. So, so let's walk us through for the basics. Let's, un, let's get it down to the layman's terms. What is a what is a quote unquote deal look like for you in terms of owner financing? Walk us through maybe the A to Z of what you look for. And I assume it's single family houses, right? It's not on the Correct. commercial side that you want to go and find everything from the listing to trying negotiating the lease option to then executing on the back end. Yeah. So just to answer you there, yeah, primarily single family residential homes. But we have done multifamilies before. Uh, we tend to see that it works well up to about ten units because uh, you're talking about buying from somebody who is like a mom and pop, right? Uh, compared to trying to buy from a commercial, somebody that's, that's taking on large amounts of multifamilies. Uh, but let's, let's look at our basic lead option deal. Um, we're, we're primarily, our primary lead source is going to be for sale by owners, for rent by owners, or expired listings. Expired listings really consist of about roughly 60% of all of our deals. Uh, and that's because uh, somebody has gone on the market either by themselves as a for sale by owner or with a realtor and the market has told them this is not for some reason or another, it, it didn't sell. So now they're looking for alternative options. They tend to have more open-minded um, to, to alternative options. Um, so once we acquire a lead, uh, which is typically acquired from one of our virtual assistants nowadays, we're a huge fan of working with virtual assistants. Uh, and setting up uh, a simple system or using a CRM. That way you can be more organized, set some automation. Um, but if you're not tech savvy, I can tell you, I started with a pen and paper uh, in a one through 31 folder. It was like the most basic as basic as you could get. Uh, but now, you know, today you might as well take advantage of the technology if, if you're open to it. Um, so once the VA acquires the lead, I'll then do a follow-up call. Uh, I'm primarily focused on motivation because Clearly, as being in the terms business or creative financing, you're really focused with people's motivations because if somebody, for example, said, hey, I'm willing to take 
a significant decrease on my price, but I need all my cash today. I can tell you that's not a good fit for us. We tend to work with sellers who are, are open to holding onto their equity for a period of time. So let me walk you through what a lease option looks like. A lease option simply means that you and the seller are going to agree upon a price. You're then going to take over any and all responsibilities associated with the property. That'd be mortgage, if they have a mortgage, maintenance, taxes, repairs. Uh, and then on a before and end date, you're gonna cast them out. Um, so real simple, we buy properties without using our own cash, credit, or asking investors for money. Um, once we have that property under contract, we then are gonna look for a rent to own buyer. So a tenant buyer is what we call them. And there's somebody that are just outside of financeability, not somebody that's a renter that's hoping one day they're gonna be a buyer, no, we're talking about buyers that just need a pathway in order to be able to buy a home. Uh, right now, I'm filming from a house that I actually bought on rent to home because I am self-employed. And self-employed people need to show seasoning for roughly 24 months uh, in order to become qualified with a bank. So I was able to tie up this property, live in it, uh, and get a really good deal on it, which was which was great. So I just want to let you go. This is, this is for everything, and this is a really nice house. Uh, not to voice to be egotistical, but it's not like the crap houses down the road. These are nice moving ready homes. Um, so once we find our buyer, we'll bring them through an extreme vetting process, a qualification process. We'll find out all the information and then we'll be able to determine using a third party what their mortgage readiness date is. With that mortgage readiness date, we're then going to be able to determine um, how long their agreement's going to be with us. So we call this uh, a quote unquote sandwich lease because or sandwich lease purchase because you're acquiring a contract with a seller, you're then going to make your profits and then you're gonna work directly with a buyer. Um, the really cool part is, and uh, if you're sitting out there as an investor, uh, you're gonna really like this because we get three paydays on every single deal. Um, three paydays consist of the non-refundable deposit that you're gonna collect from your buyer, uh, which typically ranges around $30,000 upfront uh, the spread every single month. So the difference between what you're collecting from your buyer and what you have to pay on the mortgage, uh, that's roughly three to $500 uh, per property, again, per month. And then back-end profit, when, this, when the buyer actually goes gets their, their financing, you're gonna get, uh, it's roughly $40,000 on the back-end because you've increased the property on a premium and you got all the principal pay down on the property throughout those years. Uh, all of that roughly adds up to, in our in our portfolio, it's roughly $75,000 per deal. Uh, but we have deals that are the low end of like $50,000 all the way to over in your neck of the woods in California, we have some that are up over $300,000 with the total profits uh, on these paydays. So uh, maybe a little bit more than you wanted to hear, but those are, that's the nuts and bolts <laughs> of walking through a no, that was, deal. No, that was... That, that that was that was really really concise and well done because I think it's 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 interesting to to hear it again and we've had a couple of people on the show speak about lease options but it's it's always been something that's interesting to me but nothing that I, a path that I didn't go down the road of but something that I could do maybe back if I move back to Australia because it's a slightly different market back in Australia compared to here in the United States um, I guess uh, in and around the lease options how long do you hold a lease option for what's a typical uh, life cycle. A typical deal is going to sit right around 48 to 60 months um, with with the seller. Uh, we mm -hmm. now, of course, with everything that's going on with COVID and, and honestly, to put yourself in a better position uh, to make more profit, because obviously the longer 
the term, the more net profits in the deal. Um, so for number one, for protection, you want a longer term and of course more profit. Um, but our deals roughly sit between 48 and 60 months, but we have some deals that are 10 plus years all the way down mm -hmm. to, we wouldn't go any shorter than roughly 48 months right now. Uh, for the obvious reasons, what, 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 no, what, why, why no longer than forty, less than forty-eight months? I should say. Okay, because all right, so our typical buyer is roughly going to need twenty-four months to qualify for a loan. Got it. Okay. Um, so I would like a twenty-four month buffer, if anything. Um, our our buyers, because we set them up for success, and because we separate ourselves from other people that are doing lease options, which are we actually put people in the property and qualify for them to actually buy the house and not just to collect an honor funnel deposit and hope that they do. Our buyers have roughly a 95% success rate, but there are all those times where people default and we need to make sure, not only default, but maybe need an extension uh, from their agreement. So we'd like to have a buffer of that 24 months at least uh, in order to fill the property again with another uh, buyer uh, or to sell the property traditionally. And we, we, we have different exit strategies uh, if we have longer terms. Got it. And it sounds like you're, you're keeping in a sort of first homeowner buffer, you said 50 to $300,000. Like that's really your range. You're not going doing 600 or a million dollar houses, right? Actually, I got a, we got a house up here on the water that's uh, over a million dollars. We actually bought that owner oh, wow. financing. Okay. So we do properties wow. throughout. It just, it obviously depends on the market, but uh, on average, our market here in Southern New England is roughly six ninety nine. To say two ninety nine is is a good space. Once you get, and it's it's for other like other markets, the, pri the prices are lower. But I want to stay in a range in which we are going to have good buyers. Uh, I'm not trying to be like mm -hmm. in the hundred thousand dollar range. A non refundable deposit for that's like five grand, uh, and that doesn't give a lot of people incentive to actually qualify. So we want to stay in that nice range of maybe two ninety nine to say six ninety nine. So could be. Uh, first home buyers, but it also could be a lot are self-employed or somebody that was in top management before that had a legitimate hiccup in their credit and now they're trying to reboot or somebody that's relocated. A lot of banks like to see or a new job relocation. You need to show about 24 months as well. And then, of course, with everything going on right now, um, banks are extremely tight. Most banks are telling you that if you want a jumbo loan, which relates to the million dollar properties. If you want a jump loan, you have to have a 750 credit score, a six to 12 months reserves in the bank, 20% uh, down. Like people that could qualify for these jumbo loans like three months ago can no longer qualify for them. So uh, we've actually been working in a lot of the higher end properties recently just because sellers need alternative options right now and mm. we're able to help them with it. Now we don't know how long that's gonna last. I don't know when this is gonna be released. Maybe things have changed by then. Uh, but that has definitely been a, uh, a segment of the market that we've been able to help during uh, the COVID. Um, you know, they're very interesting. And, and I think something that we want to get into, so, so COVID has been, obviously has hamstrung a lot of different businesses. I guess the, the two-part question here is the stigma around rent to own. And let's maybe talk about that first before we get into the COVID because I think you need to lead with that because I, even I know in Australia, I can remember years ago when I first started learning about real estate, there was lease options in Australia. Like that was one of literally the first things you could do. I know the Australian government at some point didn't like it. Is it being similar issues here in the United States around the lease options sort of space? And, and you, you mentioned earlier that you don't have to educate people anymore. So clearly it's, it's out there. It's more prevalent. Um, but maybe talk about the history of it and, and and how it's evolved over time. And then we'll talk about the COVID. 
Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, lease office has been around since like the 1800s. So as an owner of financing, creative financing, most things were done like a handshake in like the 18, 1900. You could just like draw it on a piece of paper and you had a piece of land. Um, <laughs> but nowadays it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. There's too many people out there teaching uh, ways in order to collect the profit and to not have people become successful. Um, mm. That's the stigma uh, around a, a lot of this. And people, there's, there's people out there that are openly saying it like on YouTube and teaching it like, Hey, just collect a non-refundable deposit. doesn't matter if they qualify, you just kick them out and you get another non-refundable deposit. So that's, so you have these leaders of the industry saying that, and then you got people that are learning that. And then all of a sudden now you have a large amount of real estate investors that think that way. Uh, so it's, right. it's, we've made it personally our agenda to change that. We don't teach that. I think it's very important to help people be successful in this in this space because, especially right now, like people need creative financing more than ever uh, because of the tightening of the banks, uh, because people are now uh, being behind. Uh, let's say uh, uh, homeowners now in arrears for three or four months because of COVID because they lost their jobs, and so now they need someone to be able to come in and help them uh, relieve that mortgage burden. So. This could always go two ways. I mean, with great power, you know, comes great responsibility. So if you have creative terms that can help a large amount of people, especially right now, and you're doing it for the wrong reasons, then you know you're then you're you're hurting the entire environment. So um, I think that's where the stigma comes into. And then of course, there's the uneducated part of it, right? Because if being a seller, some sellers say like, "Why would I want someone to come in my house that can't get financing?" You know, they're obviously not a buyer. Um, and then we have, we have to educate them because there's so many buyers out there that are just on the cusp and they just don't know the path in order to get there. So you could have somebody that's been renting for 10 years, has 50 grand in the bank for a deposit. You know, their, their credit score is just not good because they've never been taught to, to get good credit. Like I can tell you just me being a, a background, the first credit card I ever had destroyed my credit for like five years because I got it when I was like, I don't know, 16 years old, put two grand on, like never paid it. Um, because I wasn't taught, like, I didn't know what it even was. Uh, so you got, you got those, you got things that happen, uh, to people that are, the buyers just need to be educated and they can be really good buyers. And then sellers, as soon as they understand that they're really helping out a massive amount of people that can get them to their dollar figure. That's what the seller wants. They want the house sold. Uh, and we just have a pathway to help them profit more from it. As long as they have the ability to wait and to, to think creatively. Got it. You know, I think that's a good explanation in, 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 in and around the why there is a stigma. And I think you're correct that I know people who do exactly what you just said, who just take, take the non-refundable deposit and rinse and repeat and keep going until you, you run out of people. Um, I guess back to more the, the, the cleaner way of doing business. Sure. Are you going to see any... Do you think COVID will have an impact on house prices and thus people trying to be too far out over their skis from a lending point of view? Like, I, like the, what I'm thinking of here is more to do with the inflated house prices that I see here in, in my local area in Los Angeles where people want a million dollar houses, but they only just squeak over the line to qualify for a million dollar houses. Now with COVID and potential job loss, is, do you think that's going to be an issue and thus more people looking to someone like creative financing like yourself in order to get those those back into those properties that they wanted to live in and sort of keeping up with the Joneses type, so, so to speak? Uh, 
Sure. Yeah, I think I think creative financing helps a lot of people uh, to be able to stretch just outside their means if that's the case. Um, because in all honesty, if, if, if you're a seller and you have a free and clear house and um, you're looking to own or finance it to someone, so or even sell it on like a contract for deed uh, where you're not giving up title, but the, the buyer is going to be getting the, the buyer benefits or the, the homeowner benefits. If you have a property, let's say it's a million dollars and you're willing to take, say, $200,000 down, uh, like 20% down, and then you're willing to finance it. Well, they don't have to go to a bank. Of course, now that person that maybe only qualified for like eight or 900,000, um, but you're able to structure a deal in which their payment stays relatively lower than a million dollar payment that a bank would give them, then people could stretch outside their means. Uh, mm. I also think it's more from like a banking standpoint is we just never know when a bank is gonna decide to tighten or loosen. Um, their their banks like right now people need some additional help but the banks do the opposite it's always like as soon as whenever you need a loan you can't get a loan but as soon as you don't need a loan you can get a loan no matter what like you have five banks calling you so it's kind of backwards if you look at things like that so we're just trying to put people in the best position possible in order to eventually go get their own loan get their credit up get their non-refundable deposit down uh, and really just be able to be successful within this. I would guess that we're at, it's just a guess, don't hold me to it, but I would guess that we're probably about to slide down the back end of an eight year cycle. Uh, and I think COVID accelerated a little bit, but that's that's gonna depend on the market just in general. Um, but I mean- it, are, you see, are you In that point, are you seeing any movement right now? I know we're still very close to the fire, but uh, has anything started to shift in, the, in a negative direction in your local area? I don't think that things have shifted negatively as far as price drops, but I have seen a property staying on the market a heck of a lot longer. Uh, mm. and, and I don't know if that's due to inflation of a purchase price or is that just due because there originally was, uh, let's say, 60% of buyers out there that could qualify and now there's 40. Uh, so now you have, you have, you definitely still have serious buyers out there, especially in uh, in hot markets. like. Southern Rhode Island, still a hot market. I'm sure LA, still a hot market. Like you still have hot markets uh, and we're going to see a ripple effect throughout the whole process. But I just think in general, we're going to start seeing longer time on market. And that's at least what I've seen so far throughout the markets that we've been working on. And that's and that's probably to do back to your point of the banks tightening up their, their purse strings a little bit. Not as many people you know, being able to do, to afford getting into their first home or whatever that might be. They're not, they're just, the banks have increased their their requirements now, uh, which, you know, everyone, I, I just closed on a house actually recently here in LA, my first uh, primary residence here. And I went from a self-employed loan. They just literally, excuse my language, shut the bed before COVID. And I had to go pivot to a hard money loan. We're doing a massive renovation to it, but then I'll, I'll get my money out of it once. Uh, and I've got to float the, 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 the renovation loan. But same thing happened like they just but I, I could pivot where someone someone else who is in a W2 job may not necessarily be able to pivot because they don't have enough money on hand or whatever. So all of a sudden they just can't go out and start buying houses. Hence to you what you just said, it, people things are staying on the market a little bit longer. So um, so yeah, I, I've definitely seen it here in, in LA. Price drop, not so much just yet, but we'll see uh, how frothy. Like I remember going to open houses pre-COVID just like, hundreds of people like in LA here first, like in that sort of six to $800,000 range and you can add a little bit of value to it, forget about it. Like you're, you're, you're competing. It's, there's a big, big competition here. So, um, so 100%. yeah. Uh, 
How are you pivoting and moving into COVID? Are you doing anything differently in the way that you work with people? Because I'm sure some of your, I don't want to call them clients, but some of your buyers would be could could be struggling right now with the whole pandemic. So how are you reacting to that? Yeah, all good questions. Um, so first of all, with our buyers, let's, we typically carry roughly 70 properties at a time, 60 to 70 properties at a time, uh, me and Chris and the rest of our family team. Uh, I think it's all about how people proactively reacted to this uh, this, this pandemic. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we didn't see like a massive drop in people uh, making their payments every single month. Actually, it stayed roughly the same as what it did uh, before. And that's just because we prepped, we prepared, we openly communicated with each one of the buyers. Uh, so we didn't see a massive drop off. And people that have either lost their jobs or, or um, are you know out of it or are waiting on their job to come back, they were able to establish um, a, a payment plan and or um, have reserves in the bank. Remember, these are buyers. These aren't just typical renters. Typical renter, I think they said the average American has like $400 in their bank. Uh, we want to make sure that before they get placed in the property, that they have, you know, that they have the ability to withstand, you know, six, seven, eight months uh, when it comes to this type of property. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're putting them to be successful as life does happen. Um, from and I apologize, I don't know what the other part of the question was. <laughs> the, the, the question, the, the question was, how are you guys pivoting? for the rest of the year to to change the business and how you roll it. it out and, and if there's any major changes you know forthcoming yeah the major change that we did and we were actually funny thing is we're already evolving to this in general is we buy most of our properties virtually now um okay. which is my original paradigm was a seller is not going to sell you a house with little to no money down no cash no credit over the computer over the phone and and for a long period of time uh but that has shifted uh, especially because of COVID. I mean, they're just like, I don't want you to come to my house. Why don't we just do a Zoom walkthrough and then we'll put together the agreement. Um, so it actually allowed us to work more virtually, which allowed us to expand our market um, as well, uh, which again, increases more deals. Um, right. And also, I mean, right now, realtors were having a really hard time of Putting properties under contract, showing houses in most markets, not not in all hot markets, but in most markets, putting properties under contract, showing them because sellers now didn't want open houses. They didn't really want people doing walkthroughs of their house. Uh, I remember I was speaking to a couple of realtors and they told me that you had to have a like a signed agreement to even go see the property or you had to put in a formal offer before you go walk through the house. So that's just, it's insane to think that someone's going to go get a loan, sign their name on the dotted line it's basically sounded life away with these banks without without going to see the house so it just allowed anytime anything affects the traditional market it just makes our 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 buy and selling easier Uh, Mm. i can tell you when we're in hot markets like over the last seven eight years we've bought plenty of properties like all of those houses that i was talking about were bought in over the last you know five to seven years Uh, and now that COVID's going on and now that the market's starting to shift in most areas, it just means that our number, it's easier for us to acquire properties now uh, and buy them. Now, I think time will tell as far as the buyer side, but actually we originally thought that it was going to actually slow down the buyer side, but my brother-in-law just closed another deal with another $20,000 non-refundable deposit on like a $300,000 house collected from a buyer uh, earlier today. 
so I mean, the buyers are still out there. The buyers are still serious, are still out there. And actually, our buyers market, what we've seen now is opening up significantly because whenever the banks clamp down, people still want to buy houses. They still already had their minds set on buying houses. So now we just help them with a rent home program. Right. Right. Well, that's, I think that's fantastic. And it seems like uh, good news, right? Like things, things are looking cherry for, for yeah. the rest of the year and, and, and post-COVID. So, so well done. Mate, uh, at the end of every show, we like to jump into the top five investing tips. You ready to get into it? Yeah, I'm ready. Mate, what is the daily habit you practice to keep on track towards your goals? Uh, I would say goal setting on a day-to-day basis. I think it's huge. I use this thing called a 90X planner. Uh, I know the owner, Alon David. Uh, he, he basically has a, it's a goal setter, but that's a day-to-day. So that way you actually know mm-hmm. you're working towards your goal. I think that's rather important. And then exercise in any mindfulness activity. Uh, us being entrepreneurs, <laughs> like you got to get your mind right and your body right in order to be successful. So those, I, you asked for one, I gave you three. <laughs> no, I love it. I think that, and it's in the the more complex the answer, the more you you you, uh, it, it it sits very important to you in terms of making sure you are getting the right juices in your body throughout the day or in the beginning of the day in order to go tackle the day uh, and be successful. I think that's really really important. Uh, who's been question number two? Who's been the most success uh, most influential person in your career today? I would have to say it's my father in law at this point in time. <laughs> yep. Yep. I thought it would be. I mean, we've had him on the show. I can't remember exactly what episode it was, but it's definitely six or seven months ago. Definitely Chris uh, Prefontaine, right? He was on um, talking about lease options and, and different stuff, which was an incredible insight into that. So go check that one out as well. Uh, question number three is, what's the most influential tool in your business? Now, when I say tool, it could be a physical tool, like a journal or a phone, or it could be a piece of software that you use. use. So what is the most influential tool you use on a daily basis? I think the uh, biggest influential tool that actually we just got more involved in is our FreedomSoft, uh, which is our hmm. CRM slash uh, automation tool, organization tool. I mean, it has everything um, that you could possibly ask for. You can acquire leads through it. You can then automate everything through it for your workflows. You can send out contracts, get them signed and everything. You don't have to use DocuSign or anything. It's a all all-encompass, all-inclusive tool um, that we use on a day-to-day basis now, uh, which I, I believe has changed our business. That's awesome. Great. Uh, in one sentence, what has been the biggest failure in your career and what did you learn from that failure? Uh, I went through drug addiction. I would say that'd be my biggest failure. Uh, Interesting. But, and why? How was uh, that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was fun on the way in, but not so fun on the way out. Um, yeah, it was... It grew up in an interesting time. Uh, you're slightly older than me. I mean, we're in the, the world of uh, painkillers. I would think that was like the mm-hmm. biggest influence when I was growing up in high school. So, yeah, it was easy to get involved with them. Um, and went through a bunch of ups and downs in my early career but or my early life. And uh, eventually, I got myself up, thank God. Uh, I was one of, mm-hmm. the, one of the lucky ones. Uh, I had some yeah. friends that I lost. But, you know, here Come we on. are today. That's That's incredible. And I guess... What is what did you learn from that that that, that setback in your life? I learned that that was probably the hardest thing I was ever going to go through in my entire life, and I uh, made it out the other side. So, uh, right. nothing but up now. 
so resilience, I guess, is probably what what is the biggest thing that you, that you probably learn from that. Keeping keeping going, moving forward, and getting up off the ground, and knowing that you can can make another day. I think that's important. Yeah. So, so we are, we're all going to go through something at some point in our lives, whether it's drug addiction, debt, uh, you know, close family member dying, or loss of a job, or failure of a company. Like we're all going to go through it. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. you got to take those as learning lessons. I, I don't regret a moment of it. Made me who I am yep. today, and I think that's yeah. why I'm where I am today. That's awesome. That's no, that's incredible. And I think something that is can you can work your life around knowing that it was is part of who you are and don't you know not being ashamed of it and owning it and saying yeah I had a had a problem and I freaking beat it. So here I am today, kicking ass and taking names. Uh, that's right. That's <laughs> so right. yeah, uh, mate. Last question is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? They want to be in your sphere a little bit more. Where do they go? Yeah, let's do let's send them to two places and throw in the show notes. Uh, I'm happy to do a free strategy call with you. Uh, if you want to learn more about terms, learn about how you can implement this in your own business or just get started, just go to smartrealestatecoach.com slash action. That's smartrealestatecoach.com slash action. Just six simple steps. Set up a strategy call with either myself or Chris. Uh, we do all of them. Cool. Uh, the other thing I would go to, I'm happy to give you the new rules of real estate investing book that we talked about earlier. Uh, right now with COVID, we don't have anybody in the office, so we're not shipping them out, but you can go get your free copy of the PDF. Just go to newrulesforfree.com. That's newrulesforfree.com. Take a look at it, or if you want to go on Amazon, go ahead and buy it, but you can get it for free there. Cool. Well, mate, I thank you so much for jumping on today's show. Uh, I just want to reflect some of the things that I took away from today's show. I think it's your ability, well, I, what I said earlier, the ability to grind um, and go through hardship and just learning that you went through drug addiction, but also hearing about your upbringing. Um, it sounds like you've you've gone through it a little bit, but you, you've come out the other side and you, you got up back off, you know, when when you got bucked off the horse, you got back on, you dusted off your knees and you kept on going. So I think your resilience has definitely come through in this interview, but also then to the business side and how you've evolved again and you're evolving the business as COVID is impacting. And it sounds like it's going really, really well in terms of being that alternative financing option to people when the market has shriveled up a little bit and, and contracted, uh, you guys can step in and, and continue doing business and continue to be successful. So, um, so yeah, did I leave anything out? No, I, I would say the only thing I would add is, uh, I mean, you can do this in any market at any time, um, depending on, uh, you know, with no no dependence upon the actual market itself. You just got to know you got to put in the work, learn. The system is very simple, uh, but it's not always easy. Um, super mm. simple, but not as easy, just like anything else. Uh, as long as you're willing to put in the work, put your blinders on, you can certainly grow a business this way persistence man exactly well thank you so much mate enjoy the rest of your week and we will catch up very very soon well there you have another cracking episode jam packed with some incredible advice from zach and if you do want to head over to his website check him out he's got a you know awesome amount of stuff that is available for free over on his website, thesmartrealestatecoach.com. All the links that we had, uh, that we mentioned in today's show note will be on the show notes. So please check them out. Uh, and if you are interested in learning more about lease options, it's definitely a way to get started in, in as Zach said, in any market. You can do this in a, in a hot market, in a soft market, and you can, make, you can always find people that are willing to sell. You just gotta be able to put in the work and put in the systems in order to be successful. Uh, I wanna thank you all again for taking some, ta- some time out of your day to tune in to continue to grow your financial IQ because that's where all about here on this show if you do like this show the easiest way to give back is by giving it a five-star review on itunes and we're going to do it all again next week so remember be bold be brave and go give life a crack